You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is Tuesday once again here in Philadelphia. A little cloudy, but doesn't matter because we're still kind of sitting pretty on top of the world with the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I am your host for the Out of Sight Podcast, Adio Royster, Chill Ride, Chill Vibes. As always, it's Tuesday, May 4th, so uh, may the 4th be with all of the Star Wars nerds out there. Sorry, Star Wars enthusiasts. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, not sure how much bleeding there is between Star Wars fans and Sixers fans, but may the 4th be with you all anyway. On the pod today, I am getting Tom West on the line, and uh, we are going to discuss a huge reason why the Sixers are tops in the Eastern Conference. It's a Mr. Danny Green. I'm sure we've talked about this before uh, a lot of times and how Danny Green has impacted the Sixers in so many ways this season. So we're going to deep dive with Tom, get him on the line here. Tom, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure having you on, and I say it every time. You know what? It's just the simple fact that every once in a while, I have to add that little touch of class to that podcast from time to time. I'll do what, I'll do what I can. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, real, real quick, since I did kind of mention that it was May 4th, are, are you kind of a Star Wars enthusiast? Have you, have you watched the movies? Yeah, no, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not, like, a major fan in that I know every little detail about everything in it. But yeah, no, I do. I do enjoy the films. How about yourself? Uh, I have dressed up as a Jedi for Halloween on like numerous occasions and going to several Star Wars conferences. So yeah, that's kind of where I land. Like, I'm definitely a fan. Okay, yeah, de- definitely you're more committed than me. Then, but yeah, way no, more I, committed. I, I'm, I'm a fan, but you're 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 a level up. But that's yeah, cool. yeah I do I do like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny Green this season, I we talked about it at the beginning of the season and how much he has, he had the ability to impact this team on levels that we hadn't seen for a while. And now that we're in May and the season's kind of coming to a close, are you not impressed, but are with, are you happy with the result of the Danny Green side trade? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was good. I thought it was really good at the time. I think just the fact that, you know, the Sixers only had to trade one first-round pick to move on from our Hawford still. I easily thought that, you know, they could, depending on what they got in return, they could have ended up giving up two just to move off that contract, depending on how much interest anyone had in him around the league. And, you know, obviously he had a rough season, and part of that was, you know, just due to the bad fit with Philly, but also, you know, he's ageing. Yeah. He's not the player he once was. So I think, you know, only having to trade one first was good. And then, yeah, the fact that they got Danny Green in return, I, I was always very high on that. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of worked out, yeah, as I thought, and it's worked out really well. Danny Green has kind of just sort of 
quietly complimented everyone around him at both ends of the floor, and he, he's done a very good job of it. It's amazing. All we had to do to get, get Danny Green was give up what was left of the body of Al Horford and one first-round pick. That was in, that's insane. Daryl Morey is a wizard. <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. The the fit difference between Al Horford and Danny Green is is massive. It's yeah. It's not comparable. Let's start with the outside shooting of Danny Green. As you have stated in the piece that you wrote, uh, he's averaging six point three three point attempts per game. That's the highest since two thousand nineteen. JJ Redick and I think Redick averaged like eight. And you saw what that did to the the Sixers offense with someone like J.J. Redick with Danny Green. They were a top 10 offense in the league. And without that kind of shooter, they were kind of middle of the pack. What kind of of difference does that make on like a team on a night-to-night basis when you just have somebody that's just chucking? I mean, yeah, it's exactly what they needed because that's kind of – what they were missing last season, you know, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, they're just, their three-point volume wasn't high enough. They weren't, you know, more so Horford, obviously, but Richardson as well. They just weren't quick enough to shoot if there's a defender closing out, like there was too much hesitation. You know, Richardson would shoot a little bit off the dribble, but he didn't add too much there either. They just weren't quick enough to fire. And when, you know, you're trying to capitalise off and be getting double teamed or Simmons driving and kicking and you want, to beat the defense as they're rotating or as they're trying to close out late, you need someone to shoot that quickly. And if guys aren't doing that, then the defense can reset and you just lose out on some of those advantages. So having Danny Green just happy to shoot, whether he's training in transition, you know, relocating around the arc, spotting up, just waiting, you know, finding spots in the corner, he's always ready to shoot. And that's, it's a simple thing, but it's a huge difference. And obviously, you know, He's not the same shooter as JJ Redick. You know, he can't, you know, run off the move in the same way. He doesn't fly off screens and that kind of thing. He doesn't, you know, shoot off screens much at all, really. But what he does well is, you know, he, he's great at finding space. And yeah, just like you said, he's ready to shoot. And that volume has been really important this year, especially as, you know, Seth Curry's been shooting better recently, but he's still been a little more hesitant sometimes, maybe not quite as trigger happy as, as, you, as you'd want to see. He has passed up looks at times. And, you know, Doc Rivers right. said, a few weeks back when I asked him about Seth's shooting that, you know, Seth passes up more open threes on the team than anyone else. And I think he's got better <laughs> at that recently. And he's, he's particularly been taking more off the dribble, which is really good for him. Uh, but yeah, he's still been a bit hesitant at times. So Danny Green just being that kind of confident guy to just knock down shots, no matter what the defense is trying to do to him to close out is uh, is really helpful. Danny Green is just different kind of three-point cutter, shooter, resetter, etc. And you mentioned the differences between Reddick. Reddick definitely comes from that Reggie Miller style of I'm just going to run around for 40 minutes and you're just going to have to catch me and just make sure that you have somebody on me at all times. Whereas Danny's way more crafty. He'll have these like little subtle moves. Like he'll take a sidestep here or he'll relocate behind a, a two-person screen or he'll do something where he'll just move around behind the defense and like they'll just forget that he's running around and then wow he's open in the corner for three mm. where he leads the NBA in corner threes with 75. Yeah that's that I think that's the thing it's it's just subtle like he just sort of 
moves around that you know he's a bit older he's a little slower like he just sort of quietly finds his spots like he's i mentioned in the piece like he's really good at cutting with the baseline but he'll, he'll duck in make a defender think he's cutting over to the weak side and then he'll cut back to the same corner and he'll be open for three and his defenders sort of left under the basket thinking he's kind of out of the picture um he's really good at just sort of slowly drifting over to the the other side of the floor along the baseline and then defenders lose track of him and He's just, yeah, he's like you said, he's really smart at sort of quietly losing the attention of defenders rather than running at full speed, flying off the screens. And, you know, the defence is always worried about what he's doing. He just sort of quietly loses their attention and finds these spaces. And when you do need guys that are, you know, need to be reliable sort of three-point outlets when, you know, Embiid's getting double teamed or triple teamed, you know, that kind of thing. It, yeah, it makes things so much easier. Just him not only getting space for himself, but making passing reads easier for his teammates. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to be honest here. When Joel Embiid went out for that little stretch of time in March, right? Uh, did you kind of expect Danny Green to kind of go off the way he did when he had <laughs> 17 points and made like five of nine threes? Like this is just this is just March. Uh, February shot 42% and in April was 43, but close to 50% in March with Embiid down. I can tell you, I wasn't expecting something like that. I thought Tobias was going to be the guy that just steps in and throws in like, okay, I guess it's my turn to uh, score 35 a game. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that coming. I thought maybe, you know, (laughs) an extra three or two a game. Obviously, he was going to take a couple more shots, but yeah, like I said in the, the piece, that, that six-game stretch where he averaged like 17 and he was taking nine threes a game. Like I didn't see that kind of <laughs> that kind of confidence from him and that just kind of gunning. But yeah, it was really helpful in that stretch. Like they it's helped the Sixers kind of keep afloat and, and do I think kind of better than everyone expected without Embiid. And you know, he was you know, he took a few shots that, you know, aren't great, like, you know. Sometimes he takes the odd one off the dribble uh-huh. or a pull up in transitions that like a little bit too ambitious, but yeah, it's it's huge. I'm just yeah, happy to fire threes at massive volume. And I think him and Perk on Courtmars are the only guys who do just kind of gun completely unfazed by defenders or, you know, when they're feeling it, they'll just shoot from anywhere pretty much and and you do need some of that and yeah Danny really stepped it up more than I thought he would in that stretch you keep using the word confident and I think that's important to kind of stress right because as good as Tobias Harris is and last year the fit was totally off he did have five attempts per game but he was just way hesitant a lot of times and it really hurt the offense because he would just like pull the ball down, pound it a little bit and then like reset, give the defense a chance to reset. Like Danny green was exactly what the doc pun totally intended order. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's just wild to think that this one little thing has improved the team so drastically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Tobias Harris has been so good this year. Um, and I think the only real thing you could critique really is that, yeah, his three-point volume hasn't been higher. Um, it, has, it has sort of trended down a little bit from earlier in the season. Right. But I still think he is kind of, 
he does he does still sort of show a quicker trigger than last season at times, but he's kind of swapped some of his three pointers for kind of getting to the rim a little bit more. He's he's done really well against you know mismatches. He's been super efficient in the post this year. He's kind of gone for a little bit more bully ball inside than threes and it's it's working for him and I think you do need to have both he, he will need to be ready to sort of maybe shoot a few more threes in the playoffs if that is what is open to him and that's what the defence is giving up if they're you know settling more on crashing the paint around Simmons and Embiid but yeah Danny has always been that sort of constant guy in the starting lineup that will just shoot at high volume and it does help everyone else sort of click in their roles is Tobias having a better season simply because he's just not being asked to do three-pointers at high volume like that? Like, he can focus more on what he's probably more better suited at. I don't know how much of it is is threes. I think whenever you ask Tobias about, you know, what does Doc do for him and and why is he playing better this year and why does he always seem to play at his best under Doc, he kind of always <laughs> emphasises that Doc make things easier for everyone and he has the whole team chemistry kind of clicking, like everyone kind of knows where they need to be, everyone knows what shots they're getting, what's expected of them, and it's more that Doc make things easier for everyone and it's easier for Harris to fit into that rather than him just feeling like Doc is tailoring stuff and doing loads of stuff differently just for him. Um, so I do think he kind of just feels a bit more comfortable maybe uh, with where Doc is asking him to be, what kind of, you know, plays he's getting, what kind of shots he's getting. That's always kind of what he emphasises. So I don't know how much of it is on the threes, but I do think, yeah, he has just been more comfortable this year. I think he hasn't even, you know, handled many more pick and rolls or done too much differently in that aspect, which I think, you know, some of us probably thought he might do before the season. But he has been getting... You know, some different opportunities, like I said, he's been, you know, used to it more in the post, has been driving really well. And I do think, obviously, you know, having more space to work with, you know, with guys like, you know, Seth Curry and Danny Green there. Right. Helps that, too. It definitely think, helps to have more more room to operate. Yeah, exactly. So I think just the added space, maybe feeling a bit more comfort, comf, confident and comfortable with, you know, Doc in there and, you know, him getting, him knowing kind of what shots to expect. I think that's something he sort of mentioned a few times this year. He kind of knows what he's getting um it's just made him feel a bit more comfortable so yeah threes aside I think he's just sort of feels happy in his role and how the team is kind of moving overall really so way more to do with the men on the bench in the suits as opposed to you know the the, the players on the floor who's teaming with Tobias really that's kind of helped this like step up like going from Brett Brown to Doc Rivers has been more of the difference yeah, I definitely think it's a bit of both, but I do think, yeah, there's definitely, there's clearly something to be said for how Doc helps him. And obviously, you know, like Tobias would say, it's just how Doc, I think, you know, works with the whole team. And he's just, I think he's made everyone feel kind of more comfortable and, you know, just at ease with what they need to do and kind of where they're getting their shots from. And I think everyone has felt like that this year. I don't think it's just Tobias, I think, and B, you know, Simmons as well everyone's kind of comfortable with what they're doing and the chemistry has been obviously great this year for the team and you add in the extra spacing as well and I think that just sort of makes everything a little bit easier for everyone. When you have a player like Ben Simmons, you kind of want transition to be a pretty high focal point of your team dynamic and I didn't know this, but 
the Sixers were 22nd in transition last year, and this year they're 12th. With Danny Green, I, I feel like it's just more options in the transition because if Simmons or whoever is you know running down the floor and Danny Green just sprints over to the wing or to the corner, then that one, it opens up the lane. Number two, it gives that added element of danger where it's like, okay, you can give up the two, but if you kind of box in on Simmons or whoever's driving that lane, be it Tobias Harris, Point, Joel Embiid, whatever, then Danny is out there on the kickout, and that's something you have to watch out for. I feel like the Sixers, once again, haven't had something like that since Redick. Yeah, they didn't have that last year. I mean, let's just say if you take last year's starting lineup, like, <laughs> who are you really scared of as a trailer? Like, there's Tobias Harris, and like we said, you know, he wasn't as trigger-happy as he needed to be last season. But outside of him, like, who are you scared of shooting? Obviously, in B takes some trailer threes. He's not terrifying. Defenses from the perimeter, like Josh Richardson isn't going to be trailing like mad. And obviously Al Horford, that's not really his game either. So when you swap those guys... The only person that comes to mind really is, I guess, Korkmaz? Yeah, and that would be it. But yeah, exactly. But if you just look at the starting lineup, that's it. You're very limited options. Obviously, yeah, like you said, Korkmaz off the bench would be the only real one that stands out. But now you've got, in the starting five, you've got Seth and Danny, who are both spacing the floor, they're actually scaring defences, they will run, they're happy running, spacing to the corners, they can trail in transition, you know, when Simmons gets up ahead, or they will happily run down the floor, catch the ball on the wing, and they'll just go straight into a three, and that's just not something that they six were really doing as much last year, um, at least with their starters, so that change, again, is so simple, but it just makes it easier, you know, like you said, obviously, it you know makes it easier for Simmons to get into the lane if defenses actually have guys to be scared about outside, <laughs> and then the simple fact that you know three points is more than two. Um, the sort of teams overall three point volume is still something that's been a bit you know questionable this time you know at times this year, and like it's been lower than I think some people would want. And there have been games where they've just been taking so many fewer threes overall than other teams, and that has kind of made it difficult for just for them to catch up, just the simple math of it. But Danny has always been a, a real sort of constant in taking plenty um, and being happy to shoot from wherever. And yeah, that really helps, especially in transition. I was kind of surprised when I compared the efficiency numbers for the team's transition play, like how big right? it's made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as crafty as Danny Green is on offense, he's, he's just as crafty on defense. And it's, I knew that Danny Green, he's 34, not 24, right? But he's still doing this, like, weird hybrid man defense slash just paying attention for opportunities. And that kind of speaks to his basketball IQ. Him being able to do that and just letting Simmons completely shut down his man, that's... That's scary. That's a scary thing to have if you have to play the Sixers. You got Simmons locking down one guy, but then you got Danny Green, but you need to know where he is, right? Yeah, like it's, it's yeah, the, I mean, the Sixers just have so, so many defensive weapons. It's insane. Uh, yeah, like there's just so much. Like 
Matisse Thibault is genuinely an all-defensive player this year. Like, clearly, the, the only uh, if the only not, reason why he would not potentially make a team, or the only real point against him, is that he just doesn't play enough minutes. He doesn't play starter minutes. That's the only knock on his case. So when you have him and Ben Simmons, nonsensical argument again. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it just takes off weight on Danny Green to kind of need to be an on-ball stopper. Obviously, it would be great if he was as well. That would be even more unfair for other teams. <laughs> yeah. But he can just kind of pick his spots. And yeah, like, you know, like you mentioned, he can kind of take a weaker assignment. And just a couple of things I mentioned in the piece, like he's really good at kind of digging on drives. Like even if a player does get past Simmons or if they're trying to beat him in a drive, they're so worried about their on-ball defender <laughs> that Danny can kind of just slip in, you know, dig at the ball, get a steal, get a poke away from behind. Um even if he does get beat in, you know, pick and roll, he's he's pretty good at, you know, kind of trailing around the screen, poking the ball away from behind, just using his side to kind of, his size and his length to kind of bother guys and hang with them at least. Um, yeah, he does a lot of little things well off the ball, um, and you know he knows where to be. He's good at reading plays. He rotates well. Um, you know, guys on the team mention how much he communicates. He talks a lot. Um, that's definitely been helpful this year. Um, so if you add in kind of, you know, a veteran sort of presence like that on the floor and then, you know, you've just got Dan Burks, one of the assistant coaches who's been really important in kind of shaping the defence. There's been a lot of, yeah, a lot of personal changes this year, a lot of extra experience added and he just, yeah, he just does so many little things at that end of the floor that even though he's not at his physical prime and, you know, he is limited on the ball and I'm sure there'll be some plays in the playoffs where, you know, fans get frustrated if he gets beaten off the dribble by someone who's more explosive, but he, he does a lot of things well and, it's it's impressive that at this age he's still making you know such a positive impact. Right against you know if we have to play Brooklyn for example in the Eastern Conference Finals, like I'm not expecting Danny Green to completely shut down either Kyrie or James Harden, but if he can kind of try to stay in front of them and kind of at least limit what they're trying to do offensively, like I'll take that. Like, if Danny Green is the reason why, for example, James Harden has maybe 31 instead of, like, 51, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be... I mean, that's just an incredibly difficult matchup for anyone. I think the Sixers are, you know, about as well-built as you can be to try and guard all that, but it's just, yeah. I mean, we'll see if that series happens, but it's going to be incredibly difficult to say the least and I think I mean with Kevin Durant there's just there's not much his defender can even do like if he's feeling it no. he, he's, he's so quick he's so tall his release point is so high at times it, does, it just doesn't matter who you put on him so I feel like the idea of maybe putting Tobias Harris on KD and just trying to kind of live with whatever he can do keeping up with him he at least has some size and you know a bit of strength in the post you put Ben Simmons on Harden let him kind of handle that well. And then as much as Matisse Seibel is playing, you put him on Kyrie and you just kind of go from there. Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> and, hope, and pray. Like, okay, and, yeah. let's see if this works. <laughs> you just try that and then just pray that they're not hitting everything. Because um, it's, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we don't need to say how talented Brooklyn is. Like, it's ridiculous how much right. scoring talent they have. But the Sixers at least have a few guys that they can use and, yeah, we'll see. I, I hope that series does happen because it will be amazing if it does. 
let's let's just hope that the the NBA puts these games on like uh, a time that's you know at least somewhat convenient for you <laughs> if they start at midnight i'll take it like that's that's often as early as it gets i can i can do a few late nights for a playoff series that's that's all right with me if they want to start one at you know an afternoon game i'm, I'm all for it i don't think anyone i don't know if anyone else will be but i'll take it if uh, if i get lucky <laughs> listen i'm just listen i'm i am trying to get the nba to like be a little bit more convenient for our friends across the pond here you know because like we, there's there's basketball fans in Europe too. Like we have to kind of be mindful, and we don't exactly. Want, we don't we don't want to make you guys watch on tape delay because that's just ridiculous. Um, I will say this about the Sixers defense with Danny Green. For the longest time, I feel like the Sixers were building to take on Milwaukee, and somehow they stumbled onto a roster with Danny Green and all all defensive player of the year, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, they've stumbled onto a roster where they can take on Milwaukee. They have the bigs to do that. And then they have the wings to take on Brooklyn. Did they just kind of stumble into this accidentally? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think from a team building standpoint, getting you know someone like Danny Green obviously makes a lot of sense in terms of just having an actual wing to go on the wing and then Tobias at the four rather than Al Horford as a second <laughs> centre kind of masquerading at the four. Um, it's, it just sort of made sense. So I think it's it's fairly like natural what they've done. I think it's just, obviously they hit on the Matisse Thibel pick um, and I think it's just worked out well for them that, you know, Matisse Thibel has reached this level and I mean it's it's crazy that early in the season like that he wasn't playing as much he kind of wasn't in the main rotation right at the start of the season and that f- some fans were like pretty low on him um it was a weird time and it's weird to think that that was the case you know a few months back but now he's you know this all defensive level player he has improved at that end of the floor this year you know he's just been even more disciplined even more disruptive like leading the league in still percentage he's just been absolutely everywhere um, you know, he's, tr- he's truly sort of a game-changing defender and that is not something that comes around often. And then when you've got Ben Simmons trying to, you know, be a defensive player of the year guy, it's, you know, with it, you know, and being in good shape and, you know, engaged and, you know, Dan Burke and I think some other sort of defensive improvements as well. Obviously, it goes a bit more under the radar, but, you know, Shake's been better at that end of the floor. Court Mars has been better this year on defence. Um, Tobias Harris has been better than ever on defence. Like a lot of guys have kind of made a little improvement. So I think it's just kind of natural development, really, and, and naturally kind of putting together a team that made more sense rather than the sort of oversized roster that they had <laughs> last year. And, it, and you know, throwing a little bit of development from the young guys like Thibault, and they've just kind of ended up becoming this elite defensive team. And they had potential to be more last year. You know, I think they finished the year, what was it, about eighth in defensive rating? Yeah. Which is clearly worse than they should have been. And now this year, I think they're kind of just behind the Lakers for first, which is, yeah, which is always the kind of potential they should have had. And this year they've they've reached it. So I think it's kind of, they're just kind of living up to their potential, really. Last thing, you did point out how Danny Green is more of a talker on defense. And say what you want about Joel Embiid. I, I love him defensively, but I feel like, you know, Danny... 
no disrespect to Joel, but Danny's been around. He's seen just about everything. So I feel like not that not to say that Danny Green is better suited to be kind of the quarterback on defense, but you know, I I feel a little bit better with you know Danny telling guys getting into the huddle and just being like, okay. When they do this set, okay, you got to be here, you got to be here. If they sprint over this way, then just sidestep, like little things like that, like the veteran defensive presence. Because yeah, Joel Embiid is great under the rim. He's one, he's one of the best in the league under the rim. Like on the perimeter, though, like Danny Green's got the basketball IQ. He's seen just about everything. So like, does that make does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I do think that makes sense. I, I mean, since training camp, like Danny Green has made it very clear that he wanted to take on a leadership role and, you know, just sort of pass on the things. Now, a very long, successful career. Obviously, he's had tons of playoff experience. Um, he's, he's always made it clear that he wanted to kind of pass on whatever he could. And some of that is just, you know, like he said before the season, that he's obviously got experience kind of playing off talented big men and guys that are playing, you know, whether it's with the Lakers, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, LeBron yeah. James, obviously it's Tim Duncan. It's basically like, the same dynamic with, that he had last year. Ben Simmons is the LeBron, and then Joel is the Anthony Davis. It's the same damn dynamic. So, like, there's obviously things like that where he said he's got the, uh, you know, the experience to kind of know how to play off double teams as a shooter on offense, and then obviously the defensive stuff that he's learned over the years. Um He's, he's just wanted to kind of pass on what he can. And I think everyone on the team has spoken very highly of how approachable he is. And, you know, obviously he communicates in game, but I think, you know, off the court in practice and training as well, like, you know, I mentioned a quote in the piece from Shake, just saying how like approachable Danny is, and, you know, how easy he is to talk to and how much he, you know, can help them learn. And Matisse Thibel has said that Danny is kind of someone he's looked at as someone he can, you know, maybe emulate in terms of just his career arc and kind of being, you know, defense orientated and kind of similar skill sets. Um, and, you know, Danny's very disciplined, like, you know, Matisse has said, he can kind of learn some stuff from him. And obviously they talk about things and, you know, he's helped court miles and, you know, lots of guys. So I think, yeah, he's just, he's just a good vet. And I know that's a cliche thing that gets thrown around a lot and it's yeah, a bit annoying fine, when, though. you know, you say just bring in a good vet, you know, good <laughs> for the locker room. And it, it, those things are a bit cliche and, and they get a bit tiring, but it, it definitely does apply, at least, you know, in the case of Danny Green. And he's he's filled that kind of part of his role, you know, on the floor and, and off the court this year. So, yeah, he's definitely done a lot to help and the team speak very highly of him and it's, it's clear how much they've appreciated what he's done. I don't mind, like, the good vet uh, analogy, but at the same time, like, can I have a good vet that is still like productive and not just <laughs> such a good player. Time. Yeah. Not just like a 37 year old guy. He can't really do anything, but like, he's, he's called good vet. Cause he's old. Yeah. Like Luke and Bamute when they brought him he, here for just because, you know, they're countrymen with Joel Embiid. Like that's one thing, but you know, Danny Green is still productive. Like I'll take an old productive vet. Like that's fine. I have no issues with that. Yeah. That's the kind of, Bet you want. He's definitely done that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I always end podcasts with you asking how things are going across the way when it comes to the coronavirus. How are how are things over there? Uh, how are you? How are the how's the family? All that good stuff. Yeah, me and the family are all right. Um, 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still waiting on my vaccine. So I, I hope that that's coming fairly soon. The vaccine rollout here is still going well. Um, I think we've done over half the country now. Like it's, it's moving along really well. Nice. Um, parents have been vaccinated and that kind of thing. So my relatives are doing well there. Our grandparents are all done. So that's good. And then things are kind of slowly opening up again here. We're, we're getting there. Um, it's, it's a couple of weeks or so till we can meet people indoors again. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, which is mad, but yeah, we're getting there. And then, yeah, late June is when things are apparently going to be back to normal. Oh, well, I say back to normal as in, you know, most things are going to be open up again. Um, right. and we can visit people indoors. There'll still be, you know, masks and social distancing, but things should be kind of as close to normal as they have been since this started. So I'm hoping everything can stay on track and, and we do get there. Um, and yeah, the sort of people, you know, lower on the list like myself, <laughs> get that vaccine fairly soon obviously i'm happy waiting but yeah i'll be looking forward to getting that one i can but uh yeah how about you where you are yeah i am i am two weeks out i'm more than two weeks out of my second moderna shot so i'm up to that you know 95th percentile in terms of efficacy you know right right up there with danny green's three-point shooting <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but there's that and things are really starting to open up here um they had like 50,000 people at the Kentucky Derby over the weekend, which is just, oh, wow. which is just maddening to me. It's just like, Oh, okay. We're, you're, you're just going zero to 60 down there. Okay. Fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Do, do you guys just, just know that I'm not visiting Louisville anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Some things uh, have, yeah, there's definitely been a few things that have opened up and happened too quickly here. And then it's just meant we've had to get tighter on restrictions again. So I feel like we've finally been more patient this time and we've been slow with things like as we've been rolling out these new sort of easing up of restrictions. So I'm, I'm hoping it all stays on track. Like there was like a like a trial of like a gig as well here recently. I think we had like a few thousand people who were tested in that beforehand, but oh. there was no social distancing. Ugh. And I think it went okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping, I'm just hoping there's nothing that makes things go backwards again. Cause it's been that, like that for like the last year. <laughs> so I'm just crossing everything that it keeps going smoothly. And, uh, as far as, uh, football stadiums, like, is there any percentage of fans they're letting in or is there, are they still playing pretty empty over there? Yeah. Still playing empty for now. I can't mm. remember the date when they want to get people back or at least some people, um, ah. there's so many different dates and that here for the timeline it's hard, it's hard to that's, keep track of it all um, but yeah not just yet but shops and stuff are open at the moment and you know you can go back to pubs again like I think the main thing that everyone was excited about was just pubs opening you can go to like get a drink outside not yeah. open indoors but you could go to a beer garden I think that was kind of why everyone was celebrating over here recently <laughs> when that changed <laughs> that was a that was a big day <laughs> well have have a drink for me uh socially distance of course and uh i'll i'll have one as well here um tom always great talking to you and stay safe stay healthy and uh go sixers obviously got that last push so let's keep everybody healthy so that we can get this run going here yeah absolutely man thanks for having me on as always always uh, yeah, take care i will talk to you soon my friend yeah, speak soon. All right.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.